Welcome to Box to Box Football. So, I'm back. Welcome. Box to Box Football. Great to have you along with us, everyone. Somebody let me and Stu do this show by ourselves this week, which is just an absolutely reckless decision. <laughs> Stu Kovacs, what is up, buddy? Oh, Mike, it's good to see you. Uh, it's been a few minutes on the podcast. It yeah, Westchester season's gone to hell, yeah. so I'm available on Thursday nights again. <laughs> oh, man, yeah, I know Kyle thought you uh, were ducking the podcast because of, you know, your thoughts on Christian Pulisic and the fact he's had a few uh, goals in international friendlies and in some Serie A competitions. Uh, but I know, yeah, that, I know. That's how can I ever show my face after they lose 3-1 to one to the only team they've ever played? Oh, my goodness. But he yeah. had a nice goal, though, right? So... It was a nice goal. He it was a it meant everything, right? You beat you uh, you get a goal against Germany in the first half. That's uh, clearly a very influential goal for uh, Mr. Pulisic. But yeah, well, I know we didn't really get a lot of time to react to that game, but that was certainly uh, for someone who who sat through that ninety minutes. Those uh, especially those last 55, 60 minutes. That was pretty pretty rough go for uh, the United States. Well, I mean, but it's not surprising, right? Like, no. Julian Nagelsmann is is an incredibly creative coach. Uh, and the United States are coached by a JV coach. Like he he's Ted Lasso without the positivity. Like he do, he doesn't know what he's doing. And, and all you have to do is just look all over the pitch. When you see the left back inside of the holding midfielder, your your formation's a wreck. He doesn't know what he's doing. They brought him back because Pulisic liked him. And much like someone who announced his retirement this week, Michael Bradley, um, who. I mean, never really challenged himself and never wanted to be uncomfortable. Christian Pulisic likes this coach. This coach isn't going to challenge him. He's not really going to be uncomfortable. He'll never really get any better. They'll never really win anything. And the U.S. Soccer Federation will continue to print money. The world keeps spinning. Yeah, it's quite a shame. And you're facing a German squad who this isn't their best squad, obviously, you know, by a long shot, it, it, they didn't have Joshua Kimmich, one of their best players. And I mean, you still see guys that are talented around the pitch, but at the same time, that really wasn't even a, a battle. They they could have lost that game four one five one easily. So just you can't really like what you saw out of the Team USA. I know they they followed it up with a nice win over Ghana, which is fine. Uh, Ghana's pretty bad, pretty terrible. Goalie stinks, but but yeah, we, we have some. Uh, few other things we want to get to on this episode, Mike. I know that's for sure. Yeah, we definitely do. I'll just kind of leave the Team USA talk with this. Uh, I'll tie it to the maybe the other thing I love more than football or the Phillies, uh, and that's pro wrestling. And for years and years and years, I kind of hate watched WWE being frustrated at them for not being what I wanted them to be before I realized it, it's on me. They are what they are, right? And it's not really going to change. Well, I look at the men's national team kind of the same way at this point. It's not their fault. It's mine. Because I'm the one who believes in them. Yeah, it's it's like, and I'm a Raiders fan. I'm a Las Vegas Raiders fan. I'm kind of in that same boat. I, yeah. I used to get so frustrated, so mad. And then it's just like, I'm like, nah, I'm, I'm used to it. I know they're going to lose. I'm not going to. Yeah, you know, what am I? Who am I going to get mad at at this point? It's been twenty years of the same thing. Am I really going to get frustrated every single Sunday? No. no yeah, not. and it's yeah. You, you already know what's going to happen in twenty twenty six. Like, there's nobody coming through the pipeline in the next three years. No. 
they're going to maybe squeak through the group stage, finish second, and lose to someone better in the round of 16. And the world keeps spinning. Like, it's 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 almost boring to me at this point. Yeah. No, I definitely get that. I'm in the same boat as you. But what we do want to talk about today is the Premier League returning to action. We'll get to that in a little bit because there was also entertaining, competitive, and good football uh, over this stretch as well, not just Team USA. Uh, First off, we start with Brazil and a pretty shocking loss in their World Cup qualifier, uh, both on the pitch Uh, And in the results as well, losing Neymar, uh, broken MCL, ACL, or I'm sorry, ACL meniscus, no MCL injury. Uh, So you're looking at him probably being out minimum six months at his age. That's a pretty tough injury and uh, and losing on the pitch as well. So now you're looking at, you know, not that Brazil is going to have any problem qualifying for the World Cup, but they're going to have to play a lot of qualifying matches now without Neymar. Yeah, it's it's rough. And just watching some of this match for me against Uruguay, I mean, Uruguay just outplayed them so much. I think Brazil only had two shots, didn't have any shots on target. It was an absolute mess of an offensive performance. The defense wasn't that bad, but it it's so it's weird. So it kind of reeks to me like almost like a Chelsea squad in a way. You have all these flashy yeah. pieces. You know, Vinicius might be the best winger in the world he's that good yeah um you have guys like rodri you got guys like jesus uh bruno gimmerish you have all these talented players but they don't really seem to have a purpose when you're watching them so that's kind of why the chelsea thing kind of is a comparison for me because chelsea has all these amazing high-priced players that are, are very good but you put them all together and what do you have nothing really great Brazil is in that tough spot of they obviously have all these talented players, but I don't think they would even be in my top five when talking about the next World Cup. I know that's three and a half years down the road. We still have a while until we get to that, but you lose Neymar, which maybe isn't the worst thing in the world. Maybe it's a time for them to bring in some younger guys to kind of play that role. But mm-hmm. wow, I watched this team. It's just like... Other than two goalies, and they have two of the best three goalies in the world. But other than the goalies, it's just a bunch of misfit toys. You know, we'll we'll see what happens. I know Carlo's going to come in most likely this summer, and maybe he'll be the one to kind of steer things in the right direction. But right now, it's kind of a rudderless ship that is not managed well, and you kind of don't know what you're going to get from them. Yeah, and and Fernando Dennis is in probably the toughest spot in the world because. Uh, with great talent comes great ego. Um, you know, Vinicius is someone who's not maybe always the easiest to manage. Um, I mean, Neymar has a path of managers in his wake. But you have Carlo coming in, right? And you look through this Brazil team, and you've got Vinicius, and you've got Casemiro, and you've got Rodrigo. These guys are going to be the the captains, right? The water carriers for Carlo saying, no, no, this works. You know, we've we've won Champions Leagues with this guy uh, at Real Madrid. And he's going to be the guy, I think, to really steady that chip. And I hope the players play for him. Um, but they just need that 
steadying force. Um, and, and right now the manager they have is not doing it, and they're playing like a team that's completely discombobulated. And one of the oldest tropes in sports, right, is when is the old guy going to give it over to the new guy? Neymar is probably not going to give it over to Vinicius quietly. No. You're going to need that manager like Carlo to come in and say, hey, listen, you're not giving it. We're taking it. And Carlo is one of the few managers in the world that's going to have the cachet to tell Neymar how this is going to go. And Neymar has no choice but to eat it. Agreed. Yeah, it's going to be fascinating to see what happens there. And for Neymar, yeah, he's going to be 32. Uh, he's 31 right now. He's going to be 32 in February. You mentioned the ACL meniscus, major injuries. Mm-hmm. He is playing right now in Saudi Arabia. So obviously the level of competition, let, let's be real. He's there for the money, right? Like he's yeah. not yeah. playing in competitive European football, anything like that. You look at Neymar's career, obviously he isn't anywhere near what Messi and Ronaldo were in this generation. Kind of to me... It's a shame to say, especially a guy that just got hurt, you, you feel for him, but you kind of feel like it's a little bit of what could have been. Obviously a very good career, but when you look at his time at Barcelona and look at his time at PSG, look at his time at Brazil, uh, playing for the national side, you kind of always are going to be like, oh, what could have been? It's always going to feel like there could have been more with Neymar, especially when you're comparing him to a Messi or Ronaldo, who are, again, they're light years ahead of him. And it's maybe not fair to Neymar himself, but yeah, that's always going to kind of be in my head, at least someone who's coming to watching soccer the last five or six years. Just Neymar is that guy. I'm kind of like, wow, that's a guy yeah. with a ton of talent and just, it's not all there. And he really only has a mirror to blame, right? Uh, a mirror and maybe a father because uh, his his father always put him out to the highest bidder. And that was that um, he wanted a Ballon d'Or. So he left Barcelona. And I mean, I guess looking back, if you're playing the result, he probably actually left Barcelona at the right time. But he went to PSG, which was nothing. He and Mbappe were constantly fighting. Mbappe finally ran him off. He's in Saudi Arabia for what? For money. And he's just got that reputation now. And, you know, there's no going back to Europe for him. That's probably over. And so you're looking at a guy who's clearly now on the downside of his career. Um, A lot of Aaron Rodgers energy, I would say, around Neymar. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. And you look at the other, you know, some of the other teams in this in South America, World Cup qualifying. You look at Argentina, just a totally different story. Uh, they went 2-0 against Peru on Tuesday. And it's just it's just such a different juxtaposition with how they're managed and how they operate. It's just kind of business as usual. They always yeah. get the job done in teams in recent years, especially winning the World Cup. Um, and it just <laughs> for Brazil, it's just totally different, Mike. It's it's kind of shocking to me because you see all that talent, but it's quite a shame uh, to see what has happened uh, with Brazil. Yeah, it is. They just can't get to to that level anymore. That was really the big game in South America. The one over in Europe uh, that we wanted to touch on was Italy and England in their qualifier for Euro. And that was a pretty decisive win for England, three to one 
over Italy. Italy, other than the Euro, have really just kind of made a habit of losing these big games as of late. It was a great effort, obviously, from Harry Kane coming back into England. A couple of goals after, you know, he plays his club football in Germany now. Calvin Phillips got the start in that game. That's one of those guys that, you know, Southgate just can't seem to quit. It was a good effort from Marcus Rashford. Uh, A couple guys getting appearances. Jordan Henderson getting out there was a little bit surprising in that match. But what stood out to you, Stu? from this 3-1 result for England. I'm a big fan of this England squad. I, you know, Southgate's always kind of been one of those guys where sometimes he does things that are a little puzzling. Uh, sometimes he makes decisions where you're like, okay, I see what he's trying to do there. This England squad with Jude Bellingham playing as that 10 and the way he's playing right now. And of course, look, he's playing as good as he's ever played. It's not, you know, he's on such a hot streak between how he's playing for England and how he's playing for Real Madrid. It's obviously he's not going to be scoring at this rate. I think he has eight or nine goals in La Liga. Obviously, that's, you know, through eight games. That's not something that's sustainable, especially for a midfielder, right? Of course. But what he brings England in terms of like a number 10, they're probably my favorites to win the Euros this summer. Mm-hmm. Just because, and mostly because of Bellingham, just because of what he brings. They're also a team, I think, that could win the World Cup in 2026. Now, you know, put them with three, four, five other teams that are probably in that in that realm. But yeah, Bellingham really stood out to me. And the lineup they played, obviously, you have Kane starting. He's still Harry Kane. Rashford, like you said, he had that, that very nice goal. It's funny, steps away from Manchester United and turns back into Marcus Rashford, who had such an amazing run last year during the World Cup, and then it kind of carried over for Man United. So we'll see if Rashford can do that. But it's it's funny how the guy can't buy a goal for Man United, but he goes to England, and he looks great. Foden, Rice, like you said, Calvin Phillips, that's the weird one. That's probably the one spot where they're kind of missing a little something, that second midfielder to go alongside Rice. Is it Phillips? Is it Jordan Henderson? James Ward-Prowse? I hope it's not Jordan Henderson. I mean, it shouldn't be at this rate. I mean, I think... We've seen enough of Jordan Henderson, you know, in terms of... Should probably give Trent a look there, too. That's it. So that's what I was thinking, right? Because they have all these fullbacks. Obviously, you have Walker. Trippier started this game. Trippier on the left side. He actually plays that role pretty well, I think. Yeah, I think Trent as a midfielder might be might be the move as that, you know, double pivot with Rice. It's a good team, right? Um, you know, yeah. Maguire and Stones, maybe that's a little weak. I think they can maybe use a different center back. Other than Maguire, it's tough. I'm, I'm not sure who else they could really go to in, in that in that regard, but it's it's a good squad. It's just, it's a lot different than the squad from a couple years ago, right? Like Sterling isn't playing as much. Uh, Henderson's not playing as much. He's still playing a little, but not as much. But yeah, I'm really, I'm very impressed with with the team and especially Bellingham taking that leap and, you know, putting him with Rashford, Kane, Foden, Grealish uh, when he's in the mix. I, I think it's really good. And I think James Mass is another guy. He's actually been kind of hurt by Bellingham, you know, really growing into his role. Because as good as Madison's been for Spurs, he'd be right in that role as well. So, yeah, it's kind of I don't think they could really play both of those guys at once. I guess they could and maybe get a little creative, but it probably doesn't make as much sense. But, yeah, Jude Bellingham's just an incredible player, <laughs> to say the least. It really is fascinating that England's two best international players both aren't in the Premier League with Bellingham in Spain and and Harry Kane in Germany. That's that's pretty fascinating. And I wonder if you're going to maybe see some more English domestic players 
start to look abroad and play in other places. That's something worth keeping an eye on as we do transition to the Premier League returning back after the international break. And a couple of games this weekend that I think are fun and worth keeping an eye on. If you've been away during the break, just kind of a quick reminder of where things sit in the Premier League table. It's Tottenham and Arsenal each on 20 points at the top. Man City on an 18 coming in losers of the last two in a row. Liverpool in that last Champions League spot on 17 points. Sitting at 16 are Villa and Brighton right behind them. Manchester United sits in 10th on 12 points. And your relegation spots are Burnley on four, Bournemouth on three, Sheffield on one, Luton Town in 17th also sits on four points. The matches this weekend that we will be keeping an eye on, the first one, still is your derby. It is Liverpool and Everton this weekend. Everton looks hapless, but probably going to be able to do just enough to stay up this year. I'm sure you are excited to wake up uh, to a beating on Saturday morning that you're going to lay on the toffees. Yeah, I certainly hope so. I, that's obviously what I expect. I, I don't expect this to be much of a contest. Everton's actually been a little better of late, and by a little better, you know, a couple couple results there. Uh, after just, hey, after a little start. better. Yeah. A, li- a little better. Yeah, let's not act like this is, you know, some huge turnaround. Yeah, I, I certainly expect a lot. Obviously, the 7.30 game, they, they like to stick Liverpool in these 7.30 games coming out of the international break, which is very unfortunate with all the South American players they have. Um, they actually all did participate in, in training on, on Thursday. You know, that is McAllister, Allison, Luis Diaz, Darwin Nunez, all those guys. So it's a lot of guys that have that kind of quick turnaround. They, they just come back, you know, Wednesday night, train Thursday, and then they have to play, you know, really early on Saturday, uh, you know, 12.30 in England time, but yeah, I, I, despite that, they should, they should, they should wash Everton. They should dominate this. They had that one game. They lost Everton in 21, but other than that, they've pretty, they've been pretty impeccable against them. Uh, the Andy Robinson injury, maybe not for this match. I think just in general is going to be impactful. He's out anywhere from four weeks to maybe 12 weeks. It depends if he needs that actual uh, shoulder surgery, which it does seem at this point, he might need it. So that's two yeah. or three months without Andy Robertson. A uh, big chance for Simikas to su- to step up at that left back role. I also think they could, you know, maybe go three center backs at times. Uh, oh, because after Simikas, it, it, it's very, you know, you're going to, you know, you're looking at youth academy uh, type of guys um, after Simikas at left back. So maybe you go Gomez. You know, Kanate and Van Dyke, some combination like that, or, you know, Matip instead of Gomez. So I think that could be something they do. And then you trying to already play is kind of a midfield role, especially in the attack. So we really wouldn't change much from there. But yeah, Robertson's going to be a miss. But again, I expect a, a very nice thrashing of Everton this one, maybe something like 3 0, 3 1, something like that. Liverpool always gives up a goal somehow. Usually they're the first one to concede. So I'm sure they'll give up a goal to Everton in the <laughs> 25th minute and then they'll, they'll score three and win that one pretty comfortably at home. Games in the 10 o'clock window here in the Eastern United States. It is the 3 o'clock window over in England. Brentford take on Burnley, Bournemouth and Wolves, Nottingham Forest in Luton Town, Manchester City and Brighton, and also Newcastle and Crystal Palace. Stu, what do you see in that three o'clock window that you like? 
Yeah, I I really like this Man City versus Brighton match. Uh, this mm-hmm. one to me is really, really, really exciting. Brighton a team again. We just talked about Liverpool. I watched them play Liverpool right before the international break, and they looked good. They honestly should have won that game. I think. I think they should have gone all three points. Liverpool got a little lucky. Uh, Jao Pedro missed uh, an absolute sitter of a shot in front of the net. Um, they had other chances as well in that match, and. Again, it's just the Zerbi and what he brings to the table uh, for Brighton. He's just, they've looked so good. They're pretty healthy. Estupinian is is out. So that's a that's obviously a miss at the left back position. But yeah, they're in good shape. And, and for Man City, trying to see how they rebound after just for them is a horrible stretch right before the international break. Losing the two Premier League matches to, to Wolves and Arsenal. And then couple that with the loss in uh, League Cup. I'm very curious to see how they look. They're actually, they're pretty healthy as well. Minus KDB. They looks like they're going to have uh, some of their guys back. Obviously you get Raju back from his red card suspension. It's going to be a really good battle. And I think City's going to, you know, I think they're going to want to definitely put their foot down and kind of show like, okay, we're Man City. We're still the best team in the Premier League. Brighton's a nice story. They have a lot of really good players, but at the same time, I wholeheartedly expect City to come in win this game. I've said this really since the, the form of Brighton uh, was clearly not going to drop off after Potter. I think Deserby's going to replace Pep at Man City. I kind of think that's his destiny. You talk, you hear the respect that Pep talks about Deserby with. Uh, you know he respects this team. And the number one thing that this Man City team is lacking, and I mentioned it as a potential fear in the preseason, is that... Deserby and, and I'm sorry, is that Manchester City doesn't have anyone who can create. And that's a problem. Kevin De Bruyne is hurt. Gundogan is gone. Holland scores a lot of goals. I'm not sure how many goals Holland creates, though. He needs that creative midfielder to, to do it for him. And I, I just, I don't think, you know, Nunez and... Uh, Kovacic are those guys. And so, you know, we'll see what happens. We'll see how that plays out. Uh, The other game I have in that window that I'm keeping an eye on is Nottingham Forest and Luton Town. That's one of those games where if Nottingham Forest gets a result, I I don't really think they're seriously in the relegation race this year. I think that probably puts them pretty safe and pretty clear. And boy, if Luton Town is able to get a result in that game, especially if Burnley or Bournemouth, someone down there doesn't, you know, now you have a, a full result clear from the drop for Luton Town as well. And, you know, maybe you could start to think, is there a, a storybook season about to unfold there <laughs> at Kenilworth Road with them staying up with, you know, 29 points uh, so that'll be, I, I think, a, a fascinating game to watch in terms of that. That will be a meaningful result in that game. I'm not sure it'll be a great match, but it'll be a meaningful result for sure. Then you move on to 1230, the main event of the day, although not the last match of the day. Chelsea takes on Arsenal. 1230, that game, uh, obviously a huge one. London Derby, what are you expecting from the Gunners? And whatever 11 random people the Blues put out. 
Oh, it's it's yeah, it's funny. I was looking at predicted the starting 11s and you know, it's always it's always when looking at Chelsea's predicted starting 11, you know you're getting Sanchez a goal and then the other but, 10 that's you don't know. <laughs> you don't know what you're getting. They are at home. They have been a little better. They they've actually started to score goals, which I think is a little nice step in the right direction for Chelsea. I I, I don't I, it's it's hard to pick them to get a result. Maybe they somehow draw at home because they're at home. But Arsenal's Arsenal's been good, right? Like, yeah, what they showed against City without Bukayo Saka, and I know City didn't have Rodri, so you know, take it with whatever you will. But yeah, what they showed without Saka winning that match, they're just so impressive. They might not win the league, but they're going to be right there. They're going to be finishing second or third. Chelsea, this is really important for Chelsea because they've looked good recently against some teams that you know, like the Lutons of the world, where you're not going to be as challenged. But they have. A pretty wild stretch coming up here, which is starting with this match against Arsenal on Saturday. They uh, have Arsenal on Saturday. Then they have Brentford. Again, a very winnable match at home for Chelsea. Mm -hmm. Then they go to Tottenham. Then they host City. Then they go to Newcastle. Then Brighton. Then they go to United. So they have a pretty rough stretch. Yeah. after that like they're gonna want to keep themselves in a position where they can get a european spot they're gonna have to beat some good teams they can't just beat the lutons of the world they just can't beat these bottom half teams they're also gonna have to get results sooner rather than later and if they lose all these games which i mean they could lose all those games i'm not oh, saying yeah. they're gonna lose all those games but those are all very losable games uh, minus maybe brentford at that point pochettino is probably gone don't get enough results pochettino is gonna be gone i'm not saying he should be gone i think they should stick with him and try to feel it out and see what happens. But if they get so far behind, he's gone. So that's why Arsenal's just one of these matches where, okay, you're at home. You got to try to get some, start getting some points. You got to start somewhere. Uh, so, you know, I think it's a big match for them. Do I think they get a point or three points? I don't. Yeah. It, it doesn't really have that look, especially with Arsenal looking realistic that they can be contenders to win the league this year. Uh, there's a real chance for the Gunners. They're not having those silly results. You know, they haven't lost a match this year yet. Uh, you come out, you beat Chelsea, you see if you can get up on Tottenham, you know, before the Spurs have their match this weekend and get to the top of the table, and you're in a pretty decent spot all of a sudden if you are Arsenal, if you can get a result in that match. And if you're Chelsea, Okay, you know, that's a, a big result. Maybe things are starting to head in the right direction. At 3 o'clock, 8 o'clock, over in England, they do have a game. It is Sheffield United and Manchester United. This match is interesting for every single reason that has nothing to do with anything on the pitch. Uh, Jaden Sancho... Uh, looks like he's clearly going to be leaving in the winter now. Didn't even show up today for the team photo. Um, you know, obviously he's the best in the world, but some of the things Fabrizio tweet about just make me laugh sometimes. Uh, no, not there for the team photo. Um, the ownership. I, God, what what word do I use here? Uh, catastrophe, let's say, at Man United. Uh, Sheik Jassim being turned down so that the Glazers can stay in power. Even though the Glazers aren't really in power, they sell 25% of the team to Jim Ratcliffe, 
And forgive me if I pronounce this wrong. I'm not sure if it's Ineos or I-N-E-O-S, his company. But he takes all sporting control of the club as well. I'm not sure if that's something where he needs Glazer's permission for that. It's all weird. Uh, on the pitch for Man United, it's probably even weirder. It's an unhappy <laughs> dressing room. It's, I mean, how, how, what's the temperature? I'll say, Stu, what is the temperature under the seat of Eric Ten Hag right now? Yeah, it's got to be pretty hot. I mean, this is a team that needed Scott McTominay to basically score two goals past the 90th minute. They didn't bring him on until like the 87th minute. So he played like 10 minutes. They had to get two goals out of Scott McTominay to beat Brentford. A Brentford squad who had really struggled to beat anyone. I mean, they're only on Brentford's only on seven points. Like just not not the Brentford that we remember from the last two seasons. Yeah. They're in such bad shape. They it's just it's almost unfathomable. And I know there's David Allen injuries, right? I mean, the whole back line's hurt. Mount was out for a while. I'm not a big Mason Mount fan, but that's fine. He's obviously a guy they paid a lot of money for who they're expecting to contribute. So they've had injuries, of course. Um, the goalie's a disaster. I was very much a proponent of moving on from David De Gea, bringing in Onana, who looked really good for Inter last year, had had you know a lot of success with Ajax in the past. But yeah, there it's just a catastrophe after catastrophe. I mean, the yeah. McGuire situation doesn't get any better. It's just it's just always something with the squad. So yeah, I mean it's Manchester United. There's a certain level we could talk all we want about Chelsea and some of these other squads. But Manchester United's Manchester United. If even if they start, if I mean if they lose to Sheffield, if I know it's at Sheffield, but they lose, yeah, to no Sheffield, kidding, right? I mean, I mean, what are we doing now? I mean, at that point, what are we doing? But yeah, I think it's definitely it's more than lukewarm. I wouldn't say it's scolding hot, but it's definitely lukewarm to a point where we have to start asking questions: of, Is is he going to survive? Which is kind of crazy because I thought United was going to be a lot better this season than other people did, and clearly I have been wrong about that it's going to be worse if they lose that is for sure it's going to be really really tricky there if they lose this match to a pretty hapless Sheffield team moving on to Sunday no early morning match on Sunday first one only one actually is Aston Villa hosting West Ham that's a pretty interesting match that's two teams kind of hanging around the European spots uh that should be a fun one to watch on Sunday yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I'm, I'm actually pretty excited for this one. This one's up there with the Man City Brighton one for me in terms of watchable matches with you know good teams that are pretty even. I think. I mean, Villa, 16 points, 19 goals, 12 conceded. They've won three out of four. West Ham, they're in seventh, 14 points, 15 goals scored, 12 conceded. Yeah, it's it, it's been really interesting. I actually didn't think West Ham was going to be that good this year, and I thought yeah. being in the European competition, as nice as it was to get the trophy last year, I think being in Europa League would hurt them, and it, it still could, right? They still, you know, we barely started that competition, so they're going to have a lot of games they have to play. James Ward-Prowse has been a tremendous replacement for Declan Rice. He's a totally different player than Declan Rice, but you know, basically swapping out Rice for him in terms of midfielders. He's been tremendous creating goal chances. Um, and then for Villa, I love what I've seen from Villa. I like the Diaby signing. He's looked really good. They overcame a really rough start to the season where they brought in a few players. They had a couple guys get hurt. They had a couple actually really tough. I mean, they, they played Newcastle, Liverpool, and City, I think three of the first four, three of the first five. Mm -hmm. So they had a really you know rough start to the season, but they've kind of turned it around nicely. 
Ollie Watkins has been good. He's another, you know, one of those English players where obviously Harry Kane's going to get a lot of those those games as a striker. But it's nice to see Ollie Watkins get some uh, get some burn for uh, the England national team because he's been a really good player. He's he's had a nice start to the season. But yeah, I, I think this is one where one of those one that's kind of hard to read, right? Because it's it's at Villa, so you think maybe they have a slight advantage. But West Ham's been pretty good, and David Moyes doesn't lose to Villa. I think I read something where he is undefeated against Villa in his last 15 matches facing them. So wow. he played, he does a really good job against Aston Villa. So this West Ham Villa match is one that I'm going to keep my eye on and be really uh, intrigued to see who comes away with uh, three points. A couple things to keep an eye on away from the pitch in this match. Uh, Yori Tielemans already being linked with an exit from Aston Villa. He has had a disastrous spell there. Uh, since leaving Leicester City. Leicester looks fine without him, though, down in the championship. They sure and, do. <laughs> and the other one, uh, we just talked about it with the last match, Sheikh Jassim. Uh, he wants a football club, and he's probably going to look at either West Ham or uh, Tottenham next. So I think that's worth keeping an eye on as well. Uh, because there have been links between the Sheik and West Ham United. So just something to keep an eye on. Final game of the weekend in the Premier League on Monday. Kyle's Fulham America taking on Tottenham. Uh, leaders of the Premier League right now on goal difference. And Ange Ball taking the world by storm. Yeah, they've they've been great. They've been a tremendous story. I know I mentioned James Madison earlier in in the episode. He's just been unbelievable. And that was one of those signings where I know you as a as a Leicester fan, Mike, you were kind of like, okay, what is he doing? Right? He's going from Leicester yeah. to the Spurs. This is when they had Harry Kane, so we thought, okay, is this the right move? Is this something he's going to be worth that money? And boy, especially after losing Kane, he's been worth every penny for them. Playing as that ten role, playing uh Sonny up the middle. They've looked really good. They, they've, I've been impressed with Ange Ball. I thought they'd be a little better, and I know some people were really worried about them. I didn't think they yep. were going to be a Champions League type squad, but boy, they, they've kind of played themselves right into that, and they, they do seem like one of the three or four best teams in England, uh, to say the least. So, uh, I mean, they should be Fulham at home. I think they will. Sorry, Kyle, but um, but yeah, Ange Ball's just been super impressive to me. It's been, yeah, especially even that last that last match where they got the uh, they got the red card against Luton, and mm-hmm. Luton was up for like you know Luton was up a man for like a whole hour, and they still managed to uh, get that win. You know, Madison creating for uh, Mickey Van de Ven on the goal, and yeah, they've they've just been so good this year. I've been really impressed. Yeah, super creative team. Uh, Fulham has been strong this year as well. Um, I don't think you really have to worry about them being in any kind of contention for the drop this year, but I, I think Tottenham's just playing at another level and it'll be interesting to see. Uh, Cause right now it's only two points clear at the top, uh, but man city chasing and you have two pretty famous bottlers in Tottenham and Arsenal at the top of the table, taking a look around Europe. There's no real other big matches this week in the Bundesliga, La Liga, uh, there's never been a big match in the history of the French League, so not really worried about that. Um, Italy, not a whole lot going on in that league this week either. Uh, next week, you will have El Clasico to go along with as well. Uh, so that'll be a fun one. We'll certainly take a look at that. 
Uh, but it was great to be back here on Box to Box Football. Great to hang out with Stu. Kyle, see you soon, buddy. <laughs> For all the guys, Sean, JJ, and Kyle not here, that's Stu. I'm Mike. Thanks so much for hanging out with us. Remember, Tuesday, we will be back with another edition recapping all of the Premier League action. Um, I'm sure Sean will have a lot to say regardless. Uh, if Sean is available, we hope to have him on Tuesday as well. Bit of admin here. Stick with us. We've given you years, years, well, like two months, but still years of entertainment here on Box to Box Football. We just ask for one tiny little thing from you. Make sure you rate us five stars wherever it is you're listening to us. It helps please the algorithm. I would love to explain it. We can't. You can write a comment. We don't care what you write. Just write Christian Polisic. It's fine. Just comment something. Push that algorithm for us. Help us out wherever it is you are listening to the podcast. And we'll see you next time here on Box to Box Football.